Jalen Brown recovers. The Jays do a great job. The Celtics crash the glass, and they get a win, a tournament win. That's that's exciting. We'll talk about it right now on a bonus Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O.B. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day, and I got you every day, Monday through Friday. Hey, Monday through Saturday. How about Monday through Sunday? Every day the Celtics play, I've got a bonus podcast for you. Celtics play on Friday night, and so here I am at the TD Garden. This is not a backdrop. This is the actual. Now, that's not, I'm going to move away on the YouTube page. That's not the old floor. They changed it, but you can see if you're looking closely that is the tournament stanchion. So you should be watching on YouTube because the show is available for free everywhere podcasts exist on audio, but also on YouTube so you can see all the fun little things like me podcasting here from the TD Garden at 2 a.m. after the Celtics 121-107 win over the Brooklyn Nets. It's funny, I texted uh, Tom Westerholm after the game. We are talking a little bit there. And he's like, this was just a regular-ass win, and that's exactly what this was. By the way, I'm John Corrales. I used to play a long time ago. Now I'm covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And I'm just having a grand old time doing that here, writing and podcasting for you. This was, in a nutshell, a plain old, simple, better team beats the worst team. There's there's nothing else you can you can really – like, it's – the Celtics at basically full strength minus Al Horford. The Nets, who are, you know, scrappy and will be, you know, hovering around 500 probably, uh, maybe a little bit below, but missing a few guys. Again, no real size, no Nick Claxton, no rim protection. So the Celtics took advantage of, of that. And they came through with a just standard run of the mill. Good old win, just a good old boring. Like for for most of the game, I was like, "What the hell am I going to write about? What is the overarching story in all of this?" You know, there are a few things that I like today. I'm just going to talk quickly. I'm not going to go too crazy with the bonus podcast here because not a ton, not a ton here to to dive into. Uh, nice performance here from Jalen Brown. Important. Every time he has a bad game, I'm going to say it's important that he has a good game the next time because you don't want to get him into a slump. The more he gets into a slump, the more he's going to try to get out of the slump, and you don't want him to be looking for his offense. You want him to just, in the flow of things, get his shots. 28 points, 19 shots, 5 of 9 from 3. Generally, just a good old, just nice game. 28 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds for for Jalen. The 5 assists is great. He's passing the ball pretty well. Uh, I know that he's criticized for not passing the ball, but I think if you really look closely here, he's finding his way towards some assists. He's finding his way towards some potential assists. He's actually passing the ball okay. So nice bounce back from Jalen Brown. He got things started. Jalen got going early on. That's a typical performance for him. Jason Tatum 
got going after that. That's a typical performance for him. 23 points, 4 of 11 from 3, 6 of 17 overall from the field. Not the best shooting for him, but 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and he got things going in the fourth quarter. The turning point in this, after a third quarter where the Celtics were kind of blah, right? It was nothing special. Derek White, by the way, in the third quarter did a great job. He had eight points in the third quarter. He finished with 11 overall. Eight in the third quarter might be the most important eight-point performance in a quarter you're going to find uh, in just a, a regular old win like this because that kept the Celtics from really giving too much back to the Brooklyn Nets. And I, I felt like the Celtics built a lead. I think it was as high as 17 in the third quarter. And Brooklyn just sort of walked it down. I like to, you know, we always talk about, going on runs, but he they didn't go on a run. They went on a nice brisk walk, and they walked that lead down slowly, slowly, slowly to nine to start the fourth quarter. But boom, Jason Tatum, uh, it was actually Jason Tatum and Sam Hauser who combined. They had nine points apiece in, I think it was an 18-6 to six run uh, that basically created a, it was a 21-point a lead in, in Brooklyn never even challenged after that. So, but that's where Tatum stepped in and did most of his damage. Uh, since I mentioned Sam Hauser, nice to see. Remember last time I was podcasting from, you know, in my mobile setup here, uh, it was from the, uh, what's it called? The, I forget what the hell the, the Washington arena is called, the Comcast Center or whatever the hell center it's called in Washington now. Uh, that's when I was saying, Oh, well, Sam Hauser is shooting 16%, but he can turn it around. Well, 5 of 10 from from 3 here, and now he's shooting almost 43% for the season. So that's why you don't panic. That's why you don't really worry too much. Um, but so nice performance from the Jays, nice performance from Sam Hauser, nice performance from the guards, just the overall guard play. I mentioned Derek White, who didn't have the best shooting night, the eight of 11 points in the third quarter was huge to hold, just kind of hold the nets off enough until Tatum was able to come in and take over. Drew Holiday, 13 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists for the second time this season, one assist shy of a triple-double. So uh, a nice performance from him, although, again, not, not the best shooting night. Uh, but the guard play was good. He had one of the keys for him, three offensive rebounds. Another guard, Peyton Pritchard, who broke out of his slump, five of 10, two of seven overall from three. Uh, but he had 13 points, five rebounds. He had four offensive rebounds. The Celtics had 17 offensive rebounds. They won the second chance points battle by 29 to five. That's uh, an important that that's kind of you, you want to point to one thing where the Celtics ended up winning this. That's it. Second chance points 29 to five It's a 24 point uh, difference. That happens to be their biggest lead 24 points. So I don't think that is a coincidence there at all. When you're able to create that many more opportunities, you have a night like this where the the Nets actually shot 40.5% from three, which is pretty good, 15 of 37. The Celtics shot 36.5%. So they were outshot by a solid 4% from three, which is not insignificant. 
but they they hit four more three pointers because they were able to get fifty two up. This is why the volume is important. They were able to win the field goal attempts battle, ninety four to eighty five. When you get seventeen offensive rebounds to Brooklyn's, uh, I think was it nine, uh, to get that many more opportunities than the other team, that gives you the opportunity to hey. We're not shooting well. We're shooting about average. But the volume of shots is going to get you the amount of makes that you need. So the Celtics end up winning this game by, uh, what was it, 14? Well, the the opportunities that they got, uh, they resulted in 19 three-pointers to Brooklyn's 15, four, that four uh, three-pointer difference is 12. So 12 of the 14 points, you can say, are kind of extra points that they got because they crashed the boards. So it all it all adds up, right? And to have guards, Peyton Pritchard, Drew Holiday, be the guys that crashed and were able to get you those extra opportunities, I think it's important. I think it's a function of this offense because there's so many opportunities being created post-play you saw a little bit of Porzingis in the post, although he only got four shots. I didn't like that. He only got four shots. That's still part of the give and take, the ebb and the flow of what this uh, season is right now for the Celtics. They've got to figure out a little bit more balance when it comes to that. But you still saw Porzingis kind of passing out of the post. He got a couple of assists. And that that kind of old school, I, I wrote a piece on Boston Sports Journal talking about the old school mentality of post-ups, which you don't see a ton of anymore. The Celtics are in the top 10 in the NBA in post-ups. I think they're going to want to pump that up a little bit more. Uh, they are significantly improved offensive rebounding from, from last year. Uh, the numbers compared this year to last year are um, noticeable. They're averaging 12 offensive rebounds per game up from 9.7 last year. They're grabbing 31% of the available offensive rebounds, uh, up from uh, up from 25.5% last year. They're averaging 16.6 second-chance points compared to 12.7 last year. So if they can keep that up, it's early, it's only eight games, but if they can keep that up, that's a big part of them getting the points, getting the opportunity to put more points on the board. It's all about the shots. Like the, I think... One of the more important stats for a team like Boston that's trying to uh, put up a, a bunch of points, it's the field goal attempts. They need to be up here. It's I, I love it when they're in that mid-90s. They need to be up into that mid-90s range. They need to average 94, 95, 96. They need to be in that middle 90s at least so they can get enough shot attempts up to make up for some of their poor shooting nights. They need to just keep on shooting just so like the law of averages can kick in and some of those shots are going to fall. Some of those offensive rebounds, you can crash and get some of those offensive rebounds. Some of those putbacks, they turn into easy buckets. They turn into cleaner looks. They turn into fouls. So keep getting those shots up. The more you offensive rebound, the more opportunities you're going to have. So it's a little bit of an old school mentality because a lot of coaches like Doc Rivers, notoriously going all the way back to the 2018 team, that team never crashed the offensive. They, it was just get back 
and stop the, the transition. That was the most important thing for Doc. But crashing is important. Joe Mazzula said, we, we learned that from last year. You got to find a way to win the games where you're not shooting particularly well. The Celtics shot 43.6% from the field and 36.5% from three. They still managed to put up 121 points. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. But by getting those 94 point, uh, field goal attempts, by crashing the boards, getting the 17 offensive rebounds, shout out Luke, Luke Cornett, six, you know, I'm, I'm focused on the guards because they're, you know, I think that's a little bit more impactful. I think Luke got, a, you know, he got six, but he got like two here and two there trying to tip. But regardless, I mean, it's, it's all keeping the, the possessions alive. So I don't want to downplay that at all. Uh, I think the guards overall had, had, pretty good games and, and good impact. The rebounding was especially important here, and that's going to be the formula for Boston. Yes, the formula is going to be a lot of three-pointers, but the three-pointers that they got were generated by just crashing the boards and, and continuing to flow the offense and find those guys for, for good looks. Still taking a few too many pull-ups for my liking. I think that's that's something that's going to need to settle down as I get into some of the things that I disliked. Uh, they they do they do rely on the pull up jumper a little too much. That's gonna I think there's a balance between early offense and just searching for your shot. Uh, that's something the Celtics are gonna have to figure out. I I understand. I've wrapped my head around it. I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again here. I understand the concept of the early offense. Derek White is dribbling the ball down the floor. His guy drifts behind the three-point line and is retreating. So get that in-rhythm shot, pull up from three. Uh, you don't want to take contested layups. I know we, we always talk about attack, attack, attack. But if you take a contested layup, the percentage uh, of that, the, the probability of that going in goes way, way down. And you have the possibility of a guy taking that contested layup, falling, you know, not getting a foul call, getting stuck on the floor in the baseline, and then all of a sudden it's a five-on-four opportunity the other end. You hear it all the time. You see it all the time. You miss a layup on one end, it turns into a layup down the other end. That's why. That's why it happens. Because one guy, if you miss a layup, you go up and you miss the layup, and you come down the other end, and, you know, like, when you miss it, you're, you're the last guy back. My momentum is going towards the basket. I've missed the layup. I'm stopped. I'm off the actual court. I'm out of bounds. Everyone else is running the other way, and you're the last guy back. It's a five-on-four. It's an advantage. And NBA teams are trying to create that advantage. So you don't want to take the contested layups. That's, that's the modern NBA. If it's contested, you kick it out, and maybe you can get a corner three. And that, that is actually a, a shot that hits at a higher percentage than a contested layup. But I, so the early offense, I get it, but you can't have five guys searching for early offense because then it just becomes a parade of just jumper after jumper after jumper after jumper. You're going to have to start running an offense at some point. The Celtics took 94 shots. They put up, I think, 36 in the first quarter, which was an outrageous number because the Nets shot 52% in the first quarter, and they only turned the ball over twice, and the Celtics still managed to get up 36 shots because there were a lot of early offense pull-up jumpers. They need to temper that. 
I'm not saying give up the early offense. I understand early offense. I get it. I reluctantly agree with it. But it can't be that can't be everybody. Everybody can't be searching for it. There has to be a balance. And the last thing I didn't like, the minutes with JB and the bench, Jalen Brown and the bench still not working. And that has to be a mix. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have and you have to have the stagger between Jalen and and Jason, it can't just be Jalen. We're gonna have to uh deal with losing those minutes. Historically, the Celtics have not done great in those minutes with Jalen and the bench. They have to figure something out there. They have to. It's now it's been Jalen and Derek White, and that that's been the pairing. And I like that idea. If you're gonna do Jalen and Derek White, then Jalen cannot handle the ball as much. You have to run offense where Jalen is coming off screens. You have to get him on the move and then have him create against a, a defense that's that's maybe not set. You have to figure something out there. It can't just be Jalen bringing it up and starting to figure things out because like, because the, <laughs> there was one funny play where Porzingis was posting up and he was like, come on, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. And Jalen was like, nope, I'm shooting this pull-up jumper. Uh, and I think he missed. That just needs tweaking. That needs to be the, – the Celtics can't go the whole season and just say, hey, we're going to lose those minutes. And I don't think that's how they're going to approach it. That's historically been the issue, and they can't have that continue to be the issue. But overall, I mean, that's just a, a you know, I don't want to say nitpicky, but it's it's a minor concern as of right now. Overall, nice, simple win, 121-107. It's a tournament win. Like I said, the floor has been picked up because they're back-to-back. Tomorrow is, a Saturday night is a game against Toronto, so they're using the regular floor, floor here. I didn't mind the floor. I know people kind of lost their minds about it. It's fine. I don't care. It's a paint job. It's one, it's, it's four games or so. <coughs> Excuse me. I know some of these arenas have, have floors that look like, like hot lava, whatever. If, if, if the floors are not, not going to work, I, I at least applaud the NBA for trying something. I'm a big believer in, Hey, you try it. If it sucks, then don't do it again. So if they, they're trying it, if it overall, if it sucks, the next season you don't do it. You try something different with the floors. You can still do a, a unique floor without going as crazy as they did. Regardless, uh, the floor is off. It's gone. The regular floor is here behind me at the TD Garden. Uh, they're going to play the Toronto Raptors. I will be here again podcasting after the game, after they hopefully beat the Toronto Raptors. The Celtics now at 6-2. and two. And looked okay. Looked okay in this one. Thanks for subscribing. This is a bonus podcast. Thanks for being here with me. If you are a regular listener, I appreciate you. All the folks who came up to me here, Section 19 at the TD Garden, if you're visiting, come on by, say hi, take a picture. I love it. I love it. Uh, A few people did that in this game. People do that every night. Come on by if you're at the arena. Uh, You can also share the podcast. Do me that favor. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.